Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty with another edition of the Eagle Hour. I'm here in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg with uh, Dalton Stanford. Luke Johnson in the First Bank Studio over in the beautiful city of Laurel as we get ready for the Wednesday, feels like Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Feel like uh, Tuesday to you, Dalton? Oh, yeah, I tell you. I enjoyed a three-day weekend, though, but I've been kind of behind all week honestly but, I, I tell you the three-day weekend is something i'd really like to delve into on a permanent basis it's uh what uh that extra day is really not nice, what, so. what did you do for your uh, memorial memorial day week uh well you know unfortunately i uh fortunately unfortunately i spent the last part of the week and all weekend back and forth on the gulf coast at the mm. baseball tournament so this weekend i'm sort of looking forward to doing nothing you know if you know what i'm saying <laughs> that, that sounds yeah. nice what about you luke you were on the road a lot last week as well uh, yeah, three-day weekend's nice. Back to the real world on Tuesday, not so nice. But you look up and it's hump day. I mean, you, know, you, uh, like you get that. through today and looking towards the weekend. Kevin Coker's going to be on the show later uh, in the hour. Kevin was a former catcher for Golden Eagle Baseball. We'll get his reaction uh, to the Eagles making their 16th regional appearance here in just a couple of days. Before we get started, uh, of course, I want to remind you about Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of USM Athletics and the Eagle Hour. At Dickie's, you can enjoy their delicious smoked meats that they cook fresh every day in their restaurants here in Hattiesburg and around the state of Mississippi. I suggest the brisket, always very, very good. Also want to remind you that Dickie's will cater any event, large or small. So if you have a church function, a party, or office get-together, just whatever, and uh, you don't want to do the cooking, let Dickie's do it for you. We guarantee you that you will enjoy it. Quick programming note, uh, tomorrow night, on our radio stations in Laurel and Hattiesburg, we will be debuting a new sports talk show called Inside the Locker Room. It'll be hosted by two legendary high school football coaches, Neville Barr and Joey Hawkins. They're going to have a variety of guests uh, ranging from uh, professional athletes to college athletes to sports celebrities. They'll be on every Thursday night in the Laurel and Hattiesburg markets from 6 to 7 o'clock. It all starts tomorrow night inside the locker room we'll give you a little more information later in the show about uh, their opening guest which is uh, going to be very interesting and we think it's a sports talk show that uh, all the folks here in the southern part of the state uh, will enjoy all right well the golden eagles uh, just uh, a couple of days away from uh, being back on the baseball field so luke i'm, I'm reading some stuff uh, from patrick mcgee this morning some kind of interesting tidbits about this regional tournament that the golden eagles uh, are playing in Here's an example, first of all, of, of how the haves have more and the have-nots have less. LSU, 8-8 eight and eight during the month of May, lost 24 games during the season. But as Patrick uh, so eloquently reported uh, in, his, uh, in his article, uh, he says, There is no way the NCAA Selection Committee would deny LSU the right to host a regional after missing one last year. 
So when you're in the group of halves, you can go 8-8 eight and eight in the final month of the season. You can lose 24 games. And if you didn't have a regional in your campus the year before, you're almost a guaranteed lock to have one this year. Yeah, when, when you look at uh, what LSU did, I mean, this is the the less strongest. I don't want to use weak when I talk LSU baseball. But this is the uh, – the the I guess I'll use it the weakest LSU team that's been in a while, particularly because they got dinged up pitching wise. Uh, I wouldn't really, you know, Alex Alec Box is a is a crazy good place to to play. You're you're looking at the facilities also. Some of the the stuff that I got chapped at wasn't. I, I've really raised an eyebrow at the Ole Miss regional, and you know, whatever. Uh, but it was it was teams like you talk about the halves. Uh, TCU gets in at 59 RPI, and uh, Texas State gets shut out. They win a regular season championship. BYU gets shut out, regular season champion. Uh, TCU had a losing record in the Big 12, and yet they get in the tournament. It wasn't just – for me, the hosting sites were okay. I felt like Miami got hosed. Uh, I, fe- I felt like um, – you know, NC State was pretty good at, at, at 18 for a hosting site. Uh, I actually thought there would pr- probably be more than six uh, SEC hosting sites. So I thought that the, I thought that the committee was pretty tame and only given the SEC six. Uh, Arizona State's an interesting team. They jumped out to a 24 and one start, but then lost 12, uh, went 12 and 16. Uh, since that point. So they get out to a really great start, 25-1 and one actually, to be accurate. And then they go 12-16, and 16 and they end up with the number two seed. So that's another team from a Power 5 conference. Here, here's an interesting deal that I didn't really realize until today, uh, Luke. Stony Brook is the same team that uh, in 2018, just last year, uh, were scheduled to open the season here in Hattiesburg and canceled at the last minute. Uh, when they realized that an executive order by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, protesting Mississippi's quote-unquote religious freedom bill prevented them from traveling to the state of Mississippi. That bill, of course, uh, controversial, allowed uh, governments and businesses uh, to deny services to same-sex couples. We're not going to get off in all of that. but uh, So here's a team that would not come to Mississippi and play the Golden Eagles that could very well end up playing the Golden Eagles in Louisiana. Kind of an interesting twist to uh, what I think overall uh, is seen by a lot of people as a, uh, a wide-open regional, although obviously there's a home-field advantage for LSU and a scheduling advantage for LSU and crowd advantage and all of that. But uh, Patrick seems to believe this is the most wide-open regional, uh, a regional that uh, really any of the teams could win. Your thought about that? It is, and it's because Southern Miss is a three seed. Arizona State is a is a really really good two seed. I think they deserve higher uh, RPI ranking than what they sit right now, simply because their offense is so so unbelievable. The guy that will will probably face the Golden Eagles on Friday is a guy named Alec Marsh. He beat Oregon State, lost a three two decision to UCLA. He's going to sit ninety two to ninety four four pitches. Probably going to get drafted in the third or fourth round um, this coming week or early next week in the in the draft there's uh, when you get outside of marsh with arizona state they don't have any pitching 
So one of the things I was reading, uh, what D1 Baseball was saying earlier today was, with the Golden Eagles pitching being up and down, with LSU's being dinged up, and, you know, with Stony Brook, uh, what they bring to the table, they're still, you know, 138 RPI. There could be a lot of, lot of offense this weekend. So you, you may see... Uh, a, a ton of runs scored, and it's basically who's going to, you know, hit hit the most uh, a home run or or some big hits late. And so I think that's the the variable is that all four teams, and we're talking across the board here. You know, there's there's obviously been real good performances here and there, but across the board, the pitching has kind of been head scratching at times from programs that relatively, you know, have had solid pitching. So I think because of that, you you can't look at and just say, well, you know, that team's going to win two in a row. Uh, it's going to just with what Arizona State and Southern Miss bring to the table, and then the very fact that LSU, you know, in the box is is so good. You th- here's another one one more wrinkle, Bob. 2012 Stony Brook made it to a super regional where in Baton Rouge they upset the Tigers in Alec Box and advanced to the 2012 College World Series. So Stony Brook's back in a place that they've pulled an upset before, and they're not scared of anybody as a four seed. I think when you throw all that together, Patrick's analysis of it being a wide-open regional is absolutely correct. I think LSU also fell to Coastal Carolina at a Super Regional at Alec Box Stadium, did they not? Got to look it up. I'm not sure on that one, but it may have been the year that Coastal won it all. Yeah, I think that was the year that they won it all. So what that says, of course, is that uh, LSU is just not unbeatable uh, on their home field. But obviously, anytime you have a Super Regional on your home field, uh, that's a that's a pretty good advantage for you. Uh any indication where you think the Golden Eagles will go pitching-wise, Luke? I think it's going to be Gabe Shepard. I just think that uh, because he'll be really the only starter fully rested, Walker threw a lot, and it gives Walker one more day. Uh, either way, if you lose game one, you got your Friday night guy in an elimination game on Saturday. If you win game one, uh, you got your starter, you know, in game two against, uh, probably LSU. So Shepard's one of those guys, um, he could be a, a he, if, if he's on, you know, with his stuff, he could be a, a, a matchup, a, a really good matchup. The only thing I'm concerned about is the power hitters from Arizona State, um, Shepard threw a lot of high fastballs, and sometimes with those guys uh, in, in a power lineup like that, that, that's what they love to see. So I think we'll throw Gabe Shepard um, and then counter with Walker uh, Powell in, in game two. Uh, but it's it's going to be – I don't know if you – we didn't talk about this coming out of the conference tournament, but, you know, when, when the chips were down, Bob, it was the same people out of the bullpen. It was Stanley and Carroll. Uh, and then, you know, you had your starters on Sunday. So there's going to have to be a few more relievers that we can rely on going into this regional to help the Eagles at least have a chance to, to win it. The two schools up in North Mississippi, they're both hosting regionals, of course. And we'll take a look at those lineups when we come back.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us on a Wednesday afternoon. We broadcast from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Bob, Luke, and Dalton, all with the Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark and CampusBookmark.net. You know by now they've got the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel anywhere. They've got everything for your house, for your car, for your back, for your butt. You name it, they can cover you at Campus Bookmart. You can uh, shop them six days a week on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. Or if you're listing in other parts of Mississippi today, you can always go to CampusBookmart.net and uh, pick out what you want, and they'll deliver it right to your front door. All right, our next guest played baseball for the Golden Eagles from 02 through 06. He was a catcher, played for Corky Palmer, so clearly was one of Corky's favorite players. Kevin Coker joins the Eagle Hour. Kevin, glad to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you all for having me. I guess when you're a catcher and you're playing for Corky Palmer, you're in pretty good standing with the coach right out of the gate, aren't you? I'll tell you what, there's another one that you hadn't mentioned yet that was a catcher too, Coach Barry. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a little bit of an imprint as well. So, uh, yeah, playing for those guys, we definitely uh, we learned quick. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you played for quite a coaching staff at one point, didn't you? Quite Three quite impressive coaches. Yeah, I'll tell you what, and it's funny that you, the other one, Coach Burroughs, he was uh, – I was I was talking with him last night. Actually, uh, he was a big a big part of all those recruit recruiting uh, classes that just came one year after another after another. It was enough just to keep up to keep your spot on the team. Right. Yeah, you played with some really really talented guys. I think it's fair to say that that the, the period of time you were in, in many ways, in many ways, paved the way for. Uh, the success that the baseball program ha- has had in recent years. I- I'm guessing you would agree that you you played uh, you were surrounded by really talented baseball players. Understatement of the day. Yes, it was uh, it was incredible. Um, I-, I tell the story all the time that if it wasn't for the ability to redshirt, I would not have been a member of the team after my first year. I don't think uh, they were. It was just it was everywhere. I mean. You got guys that are hitting balls into you know into the Catholic Church parking lot, and I'm like, I can't get the ball out of the infield right now. What what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was it was it was fun, and it definitely brought the level of play up. And not only did, did the talent you know pour in, but I don't know if it was by design or what, but Coach Palmer and and those guys always found ways to get good character guys that worked hard and. We pushed each other to limits that I didn't even know we had, but it worked out that way. So, Kevin, take yourself back to when you came from Warren Central High School and you found yourself out at Pete Taylor Park and you were a member of the Golden Eagle baseball team and you looked around and you saw the kind of players that you were playing with. What was going on in your mind at that time? (laughs) I saw a bunch of men and I was a boy. (laughs) Is what what, what happened. Uh, I looked at our first team meeting and I'm like, Okay, um, this is uh, this is a little overwhelming. And then our first batting practice session, a lot overwhelming. And then my first bullpen was catching Anthony DeWitt. And I don't know if you guys remember DeWitt, but that was a really hard, running, sinking fastball that could take your glove off if you weren't careful. And Coach Palmer was talking to me in a way that only Coach Palmer could talk to me and said, you know, uh, you got to fix that, boy. We're gonna get you back behind the plate back here. You got to fix that 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 receiving, and we fixed it. But uh, it was it was overwhelming to say the least. <laughs> right. Luke, get in here. 
Coker, what's up, brother? Good to talk to you. You too, buddy. How you been? Been good, man. Uh, thanks for uh, for coming on. You, you talk about those grown men. A name that gets lost in Southern Miss baseball lore, of course, when we think of home runs, now we think of Matt Walner, but we thought of Jeff Cook, we thought of Clint King. Ryan Frith is a name that just kind of goes unmentioned. 2004, 22 home runs for Ryan Frith. What do you remember about him? What I remember about Ryan Frith was the leader that he was. He was uh, he was a good role model for me because he was older, and he um, he was he was just that guy that you know no matter what the situation was, if you were struggling, he'd go down to the cage with you. Uh, yes, he hit some moon balls, and, and no doubt that ball came off of his bat hot. And uh, he had a cannon in the outfield too. Uh, but I, I more I remember Ryan Frith the man over. Uh, over Ryan Frith, the ball player, and uh, I think a lot of our teammates would say the same thing about him. Yeah, it's just his name goes unmentioned. You know, when you when you talk about those greats, you played with so many guys that went to pro ball. Let, because it it's pertains to this week, let's talk about the 2004 regional. Uh, have a great season, and we go down to Alec Box. What was that atmosphere like? Of course, this is the old box. They got a new one uh, about uh, eight years ago. What would you remember about playing in Baton Rouge in that type of atmosphere? I didn't know. That a, an, an arena could sound like that. I, I was unaware of, of of the loud of what loud was until I went there. Um, I had gotten injured that year, um, and to this day, everyone who shakes my hand sees a finger that's still crooked. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I was down there as just a, an observer. Uh, that was the year that I caught Patrick Ezel in every game. And I had to watch him be caught by somebody else, and I was kind of mad about that. But we were beating LSU in that second game in that regional, um, and it, I thought we had them. And then they hit a bomb, and the top came off of the place. We lost by a run, and it was over like that. Like you, you can't, you cannot see an emotional swing like you saw in that game. I, to this day, I don't remember one happening with the exception of Bo hitting that home run against Ole Miss. Um, that was a pretty big one. Yeah, that was a big one. I remember that. Bunch of several, several of my roommates left that night before he he did that. You were a guy um, that you know you just got it done, man. When you're just salt of the earth over there by the river, Warren County, and uh, man, you just uh, I look back and and you were in a lot of ways the defining personality of some of those teams, the conference championship team in 05, 06. You know when when you think back over your baseball career and and just the personalities that were on some of those teams just kind of mind-boggling it really is uh we had 06 of course the the two fifth-year seniors me and cliff and uh and then daniel and mark and i mean talk about the greats mark maddox might be you know speaking of getting lost i hope he never gets lost in the in the discussion of, of the greats of our program because that dude did it yeah. in so many ways um played wherever you asked him to play uh, but then, you know, even when we had guys transfer in, which was not normal in our group, by the way, we had a lot of guys. Ryan Frith was, was a transfer. Uh, Scott Massey, my senior year, came in as a, as a, as a senior transfer. Uh, a lot of guys like that, they just fit right in. And I, it was almost like 
Coach Palmer was doing the screening process. But like, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna fit in chemistry wise, we, we ain't got time for you. And it just worked out that that I think the camaraderie of our team was infectious. Uh, and it was that way from the very beginning when I got there. And Charlie Rogers was the captain and the senior of my first team that I redshirted on. And I, I mean, you talk about where the tone was set. For me, it was set with Charlie. And and to this day, I can't walk up to that man without just putting my arms around him and hugging him for, you know, till it gets awkward. Hey, Kevin, you're talking uh, really well about your other teammates, uh, which, of course, we expect you to do. But let me just point out to our listeners, I'm just going to grab up your junior year. You hit 318, 15 doubles, five home runs, 38 RBIs, 26 walks. You had 17 multiple hit games. You had nine multiple RBI games. And you had seven multiple run games. So uh, the other guys weren't the only great players on those teams, Kevin. My junior year was kind of, uh, it was definitely my best year. Uh, I, I kind of was still filling my way out. We got to TCU, and I wasn't an everyday player yet, and I was a little ticked about that. I was ready to, I thought I was ready to be an everyday player. Got a chance to get in and uh, pinch hit and hit a home run. Coach Palmer put me in the lineup on Saturday, and uh, with the exception of a couple off days my senior year, he didn't take me back out. Right, no question. You 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 uh you played in fifty four games. You started fifty two your junior year. So after a great career with a great program like Southern Miss, uh, must make you really proud when you uh, when you see the team uh, perform like they did last weekend in the conference tournament. No doubt, and, we, and, we, and I do my best to keep up with them. I try to stay in touch with Coach Barry, uh, Coach Kaye, um, and and you know I don't know the players. Uh, hardly at all. I mean, I know Walner can mash, uh, and you know when they're on TV, it's a it's a joy to watch them. People can see the uh, you know the pride oozing out of my body when I'm watching them. Uh, and so you know, yes, they're, they're the program. Coach Palmer was the you know was the beginning. Coach Barry has taken that that torch and uh, and taken it to other levels. Man, he's he's doing such a great job, and uh, you know. It's a great day to be an Eagle. Every day is a great day to be an Eagle. No question. Now, what do the Eagles have to do to go down there this weekend and win that regional? they got to take advantage of every opportunity they get. Don't let them go away. You know, get them in when you got a chance to get them in and, and make make the plays. They can do it, though. Right. No question about it. Hey, Kevin, I'm sorry we're out of time, man. We could talk to you a lot longer. I appreciate very much uh, you coming on the radio show and uh, help us cheer the Golden Eagles through the regional. You got it, guys. Y'all take care. Thank you. All right, Kevin Coker, everybody. Thanks, Coke. One of the greats from Southern Miss baseball history. Luke and I will come back. We're going to take a look at the schools up north and uh, what they're in store for this weekend and talk some other Southern Miss sports when the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Kevin Coker for joining us in that second segment. Former Southern Miss catcher, good friend of mine. Always appreciate it when these former players come on. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. 
Go check them out, play some trivia, get some really good food, and look at all that Southern Miss memorabilia. Located in the shadow of the rock, 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the third segment of the Eagle Hour. Bob, Luke, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. I want to make mention to you, uh, Southern Miss Ticket Office, uh, is no more tickets are available for the regional through uh, the Southern Miss Ticket Office. So if you're trying to call down and get some regional tickets, uh, they're sold out. Uh, those went fair, really quick. So the only way to get tickets now from the regional is, is through online, maybe StubHub, hub you can check out that or you can call the lsu box office so that number the lsu box office 225-578-2184 again 225-578-2184 that is the lsu box office or uh, you can try to get some Online, uh, maybe Craigslist, maybe StubHub uh, for the regional this weekend. Southern Miss taking on Arizona State noon on Friday. But, Bob, uh, you know, it, it is a big story. We talk about how big baseball is. Delta State's done well this year. Uh, but all three big schools in the tournament, two of those 16 host sites taking place in the state of Mississippi just speaks of how good uh, baseball is in the Magnolia State. No question. I had a guest at our house last night uh, from up in the Delta, and uh, she's a – She's a Delta State graduate, and she quickly reminded me last night when baseball came up that LSU had more wins in the state than any of the other schools, and that none of the big three will play Delta State. So she was <laughs> she was quick <laughs> she was quick to stand up for the Fighting Ochre last night. Hey, look, and for good reason, man. That's a there's no question about that. That's a a national class uh, baseball program. All right, so let's take a look, Luke. Uh, I, I think nobody was surprised uh, with Mississippi State. Getting regional, uh, they won, what, 46? I don't have it here in front of me now, but I think 46 games uh, during the course of the season. Did not lose a uh, did not lose a midweek game. Only lost one non-conference baseball game all year. So uh, uh, clearly I think everybody expected Starkville uh, to host a regional. So they have number two Miami, number three Central Michigan, and number four Southern University. Tough, average, uh, or a good draw for Mississippi State? I did a bunch of research uh, this past weekend when the regionals were announced. If you just take into consideration uh, about the regionals, uh, when you just average the RPI out, uh, Starkville comes in, uh, they're the – number 14 so the 14th quote 14th easiest regional but that's kind of misleading because sometimes these four seeds these automatic bids are uh you know have pretty low rpis in starkville's case uh, southern university who the golden eagles uh, defeated earlier in the year their, their rpi is 206 so when you when you take that out uh, Starkville uh, becomes uh, the, the 12th, so it's tied for 12th actually with, with the Baton Rouge Regional. Mississippi State at 4, Miami at 17, Central Michigan at 73. So you, you look at the 3 seed, it's one of the weakest. You look at the 4th seed, it's one of the weakest. But that is probably, other than Tennessee, uh, Miami of Florida is the absolute toughest two seed uh, in any regional. Uh, A&M might be in there too, but you're talking about a, a Miami team that I felt, Bob, should have been a host. You look at their resume, 39 and 18, 18 and 12 in the ACC, 26th strength of schedule, so 26th hardest schedule um, in the country. Uh, they had 15 quadrant one wins. So I, I felt like Miami 
deserved a host site, but they go to Starkville. So State may be off on their three and four seed, but their number two seed is one of the best in the tournament. And the and the winner of that regional will play the winner of the Stanford regional. Uh, obviously, this being played out on the West Coast. All right. So now you express some surprise, uh, and I think, well, I think it's fair to say some people express surprise as well that that number one Ole Miss uh, is hosting another regional. Well, you look at what what they did, and and again, um, you, you look at what they did earlier in the season. They they did they took two out of three from Arkansas. They swept Florida, who's in the tournament. Uh, but they lost two out of three to Auburn. Uh, I think the big turning point that, that helped them in this final uh, was A&M ended up as a 15 RPI. Uh, they swept A&M, and, and that's one of the reasons why Texas A&M wasn't in the hosting discussion because Ole Miss swept them. Uh, they did take two out of three. That was a big series at LSU. It was the first time, I think, since like 1982, 1983, that Ole Miss had actually won a series in Alec Box. Then they turn around on May 10th. They get swept by Mississippi State. Uh, and then in their last conference uh, series, they lose two out of three to Tennessee. If the committee would have uh, taken place, if the selection would have taken place before the SEC tournament, Ole Miss would not have been a regional host. It was what they did in the tournament. They beat Missouri. They beat A&M again. They beat Arkansas. They beat Georgia. So in the course of a week, they beat number 15, number 4, number 7, and they lost after being up 9-1 to over number 2 Vanderbilt. It was what Ole Miss did in the SEC tournament that catapulted them. Uh, but when you look at you know their resume, 37-25, and 16-14 in the SEC but they, what sticks out to you, they had the eighth most difficult schedule, and I think that's ultimately what propelled them um, into being a regional host. All right. Uh, number two seed in that regional is the University of Illinois. The number three seed is Clemson, and the number four seed, Jacksonville State. It appears on paper to be a pretty tough regional. It is, and when you look at what their four seed is, I think they're the highest. I think Jacksonville State is the highest ranked number four seed RPI wise, eighty nine. When you compare Florida A and M at two thirty five or Southern it's at Starkville at two oh six, your four seed is number eighty nine. So Ole Miss, uh, you know, you look at on paper they should win, but it's uh, according to RPI when you average them out, it's the third toughest one versus four uh, game uh, in any of the regionals. When you look at uh, the the two versus three games, it's right there in the middle. Illinois is at twenty eight, Clemson's at thirty eight. I told you off air. Interesting note going into Oxford. Looks like Clemson will sit their ace against Illinois, uh, maybe hoping to throw them against uh, Ole Miss in the winner's bracket. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when you when you project out uh, the RPI averages for uh, all the regionals, Oxford comes in as the second toughest RPI-wise. So uh, both of those regionals um, feature really, really, really good teams. Uh, Clemson may not have the pitching to go, but, you know, they're usually up there week, year in, year out, up there pretty high. Uh, could be a little sleeper three-seed in Oxford. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you about Clemson. They're traditionally a very good baseball program, but you're you're saying not uh, not your best Clemson ball team this year. Yeah, just fifteen and fifteen in the ACC. Only eight quadrant one wins against teams inside the top fifty RPI. They went eight for thirteen. Um, so yeah, you, you look at what they've done traditionally in the past. But the ACC was a really good baseball conference, probably the second best this year. Uh, but you never know. I mean, when you got coaches and when you got players that are accustomed to playing in this, and it goes right back to what we're talking about uh, in in Baton Rouge. You say LSU's down this year, but it's LSU. It's the postseason. You got you know veterans. 
veterans like Duplantis and some of those guys that have been there before. Uh, the key to an NCAA regional is experience. Um, it's it's kids that have been there, coaches that have been there. They know how to win uh, four or five games to get through to the next round, and they find ways to do it. So you know, Clemson has that type of experience, and our regional LSU has that type of experience. At number two, Illinois, that Oxford regional. Uh, fair to say, Northern teams, generally speaking, not that good. Well, it, or if if they are, it takes them a while to to wake up. Uh, it's just simply because you know they're literally walled in the first month of the season. Illinois fifteen and nine, thirty six and nineteen overall, eleven quadrant one wins. Uh, you know, sometimes the Big Ten can be a uh, can, can be kind of an underdog. Uh, people may not respect it as much as a baseball conference, but you see what Indiana's done time and time again. And Coach Lamonis left there to come to Mississippi State. Uh, Coach Smith, uh, that that coaches for Arizona State, who the Golden Eagles will face Friday, he coached in the Big Ten. Um, so Illinois again, sneaky team. Uh, I think they're probably the favorite uh, in that game against Clemson. All right, and then we have Florida Atlantic. We haven't talked about them. The other conference USA baseball team uh, that's in the regionals, of course. Uh, Golden Eagles played them four times this year, ended up splitting with them, although they won the game that really mattered, uh, the last one. Uh, Where is Florida Atlantic, Luke, and uh, what are their prospects? Florida Atlantic is in Athens, Georgia, and you remember we were talking to some of the coaches from FAU. They wanted to go anywhere but Miami. That seems like they end up in Coral Gables every year. Uh, They get out of the state of Florida, uh, and they go to Athens. Interesting, the state of Florida not hosting a regional um, this year, first time in a long time. Uh, But the the one seed there is Georgia, who's the four national seed. Florida Atlantic is the two seed. Florida State's the three seed, and Mercer's the four seed. So Coach Martin, who's been coaching um, at – uh, Florida State longer than you and I both, Bob, have been a, a, com, a, alive combined. This is his last year. Uh, Florida State was one of those teams. Uh, they're a 50 RPI. Uh, but uh, Coach Coach Mack and them, the favorites going into this game, Florida Atlantic, the lowest uh, RPI two seed in the whole tournament. But a, a really cool game for, for FAU taking on what's usually uh, historically been the best team in the state of Florida. And I know you agree with me about this. Uh, we're both really pulling for Florida Atlantic. We both like to see them Absolutely. Well. All right, when we get back, we'll wrap things up for a Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Gulfport Home Center, the largest inventory and best prices in South Mississippi on manufactured housing. Go check them out on Highway 49 in Gulfport. We appreciate Gulfport Home Center being a proud sponsor of the Eagle 
hour. Well, uh, Southern Miss headed this weekend to Baton Rouge uh, to take part in the Baton Rouge Regional. Again, if you missed the last segment, no more tickets available through the Southern Miss ticket office. You can always try online options, or here's the number to the LSU box office, 225 Hoping for a big crowd of Big Sea of Black and Gold at noon uh, in uh, Alec Box Stadium. You, you look, Bob, at this uh, stadium. Alec Box Stadium uh, is built in 2009, first game played in 2009. The capacity is 10,326, but the record attendance last year was set 12,844 people. That is a lot of people, but as you, you told me off air, probably some opportunities for Golden Eagle fans, if they want to make the regional, they can with a stadium that big. Well, right, and I think particularly when LSU's not playing. The, the opening game, if Southern Miss were to play uh, either of the other two schools again, uh, my guess is it, it'll be like every tournament. You know, it'll be a lot less people there for that than when the home team plays. But here's my question. Where did you put those 3,000 people above the attendance capacity? They find ways, don't they? Standing room only, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, you know, as as uh, Kevin Coker told us a little earlier, it's an amazing place to play. Uh, LSU is, is arguing, you know, they're in the top five every year in attendance. You look at the stadium itself, natural grass surface, foul lines are 330 down each line, power alleys 365, and uh, this, in center field it's 405. But you want to know, uh, some of you may be curious, who was Alec Box? Right. Or how did how did it get named the box? Of all places, Bob, Alec Box is from City Beautiful, Laurel, Mississippi. Yeah. He was born uh, up the road in Quitman in, in August 5th, 1920. Uh, he, he played, uh, moved to Laurel as a kid, and uh, played several sports, went to uh, Gardner High School. He, he was all-state in football and a state champion in the 100- and 200-yard dash in the discus throw. Uh, he also played on a semi-pro baseball team in here, uh, in, in and around Laurel. Uh, he, he was getting interest from the Cincinnati Reds in baseball, but he accepted a football scholarship to LSU in 1938. Uh, there was one story at, at LSU that was really interesting about him. He played right field and he batted cleanup. Uh, sometimes his shoulder would dislocate on when he threw uh, the ball in from the outfield, and so the infielders, these are the days, Bob, they would go into the outfield, set his uh, arm back, and he would continue to play. Oh, that never happened now, would it? That would never happen now. So uh, he had to have done some something uh, really unusual at LSU for him to name the baseball facility after him, Luke. You know what that was? Yeah, he was he was in the ROTC at LSU, and uh, when he graduated in 1942, he, he was a lieutenant, and he went to the Army, uh, went, went to Camp Blanding, Florida, and he was an engineer. Uh, he was assigned... Um, to the 1st Infantry Division of the U.S. Army and was fighting in World War II and uh, was November 7th, I believe, 1943, uh, or I'm sorry, November 7th, 1942. They were in North Africa, and uh, they were th- their job was to perform road maintenance and to take care of mine warfare. And so they started that on November the 7th. November the 9th, he was actually out in a field in Algeria. Uh, they were destroying enemy machine gun nests, and uh, what happened was uh, he was involved in uh, a mine accident, mm-hmm. uh, February 19th, 1943, a mine was accidentally 
discharge. He was killed instantly along with four other soldiers. He is actually buried in the North African American Cemetery in Carthage, Tunisia. Really? So, uh, it, you know, especially because of Memorial Day, this is a really? local World War II hero uh, that LSU, you know, in, in memory, named their stadium after. So deep Pine Belt uh, roots connected to the, the history of LSU baseball, Bob. And I would say to that, good for LSU, good for the university that would uh, that would honor a war hero like that by naming the baseball stadium after him. That's refreshing to hear. And, one other thing about him in, in late 1942, he he destroyed um, some some machine gun emplacements, and because of that, he was awarded the Distinguished Service Cross. And if you don't know where that is, that honor is uh, second to the Medal of Honor, uh, the highest uh, award that a, a soldier can receive. So Alec Box not just uh, gave his life uh, for freedom and for, for our country, but was awarded the Distinguished Service Cross, a big deal in, in the armed forces. All right, so tell me, Luke, I sort of look at regional play like this. You're playing with house money. You know, you've had a good year. You've been invited to the regionals or you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't be there had you not had a good year. So you should go into the regionals as fans, as supporters, and I, I don't I won't speak for the players, but but certainly as fans, you should go in relaxed, and you should go in feeling like everything we win is just dessert after a good dinner, you know, and we're not going to judge the season based on our performance in the regionals. Fair? Unfair? Yeah, I think that that's good. At the same time, though, let, let's still be hungry to win. But, yeah, if, if you go down there, and uh, and and you win a game. You win two games. If you don't win a game, uh, you you made it. But I just don't want to be complacent in that. But here's the thing: if you're a fan of Southern Miss baseball, you could be sitting at the house right now. Right. They won four games in a row in the conference tournament. Be thankful. Enjoy this regional. All right, Luke's off the next couple of days. Kelly Center and I will be handling things. Dalton will be traveling with us to Sully's come Friday, so we're going to eat and talk Southern Miss sports. But one more show between now and then. That'll be tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.